Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to a new episode of The X Button. This is one of your co-hosts, Alejandro, with me. Also, my lovely, let's see what shirt you have. Marvelous, oh, Marvel. mar marvelous co-host. Paul. Hey, everyone. How you doing, Paul? We haven't seen each other in a while. <laughs> it's been a minute. Um, yeah, we uh, y'all won't notice it, of course, our viewers, but uh, it's been a solid like week and a half at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. we recorded it early because of Memorial Day, so that we didn't have to record on the holiday, but it's also cool. hit the release date of our, of our podcast. And then we waited until the next Monday to be able to record. And some things did pile up, but how are you doing, Paul? I'm doing all right. It's uh, It has gotten a lot busier, oddly enough, and I thought that it would not, but it is... Um... It's just continuing on and on and on. But what are what have you been up to, Alejandro? Right, I'm pretty much just chilling, um, waiting for my eventual second dose that is finally this Friday, which I can't wait. It's <laughs> like the light at the end of the tunnel, so I can have a little bit more protection over this stupid disease that has plagued all of us. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing that back home the cases have been like exploding, also. So people, even though El Salvador already started vaccinating, but uh, I'm just glad that at the very least I'll be vaccinated and I can worry about something less. But the good thing is that by the time that we vaccinate, the gaming Christmas will have already started, which is very exciting. <laughs> so, no. so I might be like old droopy and feeling under, under the influence <laughs> uh, of medication, but at the very least, I will have something to be watching, which we're going to be talking a little bit later. But Paul, uh, what to kick us off like we usually do? What have you been playing? Well, uh, as we discussed last week or a week and a half ago, mm -hmm. we were going to synchronize what we've been playing uh, for one thing. But uh, besides that, I have not done anything else i have been mostly working and occasionally playing some destiny here and there the addiction mostly, is real right um, yeah mm -hmm. and then um i recently got the problem of uh i played a, another class and i realized oh so i could just redo everything on the other class to build up that one with all of the cool weapons I've already unlocked. And then I realized that if I'm not careful, I'm just going to get swept up even further by uh, evening out all of the classes. So I need to make sure I never do that. Yeah. Viewers welcome, help me. Yeah. I'm welcome trapped. to Don't the long, yeah. Welcome to the long suffer, the, the long suffering reality that is being a destiny fan and being swayed under its spell. It's addictive spell and it's loop. <laughs> It hurts, but yes, it is. Um, it doesn't help that, especially now that they've rounded out the combat, it's immensely fun. Mm -hmm. And exactly. um, yeah, it's uh, there's always some different way to play the game, especially with all the variations of weaponry and the powers that you can jump around with. The lure of the, the raid builds on top of that. The, the lure of the raid is constantly trying to pull on me, even though I am doing my absolute best to avoid being pulled by it because <laughs> I only receive disappointment as a response. Yes. Well, uh, I thankfully yeah. haven't been receiving disappointment as a result of the times yeah. that I played the raid because You're it's doing rewarding. Very well. It's I, I got all the weapons from 
the, the current rate. And pretty much with the exception of only one, I have the rolls I want. The oh. Firefly perk that explodes the, that, that explodes on enemies and headshot and explodes everyone around them is so satisfying. So yeah, I've been playing uh, Destiny 2. Uh, keep, I kept playing more of Mass Effect. I Platinum, the first Mass Effect. Hey, all right. Surprisingly easy. I was shocked how easy it was uh, because before it used to be way more complicated. And I played a little bit more of Mass Effect 2, which this time playing before jumping from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 was always, man, Mass Effect 2 is so much better <laughs> because so much tighter. It feels yeah. like a proper video game. And now the jump from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 is like, man, Mass Effect 2 feels really stripped out now. Oh, man. <laughs> because uh, the big thing that Mass Effect 2 did was that Mass Effect 1 was so RPG in so many things. Like it's super complicated inventory system, getting XP from everything. And then on Mass Effect 2, like it improved the combat, making it more of a shooter with like a proper cover button, uh, actual ammo. So it's not just about a, waiting for a cooldown to stop you're actually reloading and all of that but what that does especially because you're when you're not like earning xp all the time you're like man it really feels more stripped out that it feels like more the thing that actually makes mass effect 2 more special is how much better the writing is how much better it looks like in, in its style it's more noirish yeah it feels more noirish than than the first one uh the moral ambiguity is higher because of who you work with at the beginning and all that. Mm-hmm. But from a systems perspective, now that the Mass Effect 1 has, hasn't has been 100% improved, but hasn't been, it has been improved enough to be more satisfying to play, do you feel a little bit more of the strip backs from ME2 now in the collection? And mm-hmm. but, I, but I would say that I don't feel they have done much work in the collection either way, because kind of like what I mentioned, when I played those games back in 360, they still held up. So at least Mass Effect 2 till this moment feels more like the up-res I was expecting it to be. Like okay. it, it definitely like looks sharper, but it looks similar. Like it, and but I always thought that was like a great looking game with the exception of some stupid faces. Yeah. But that's been a Mass Effect problem forever. So but yeah, yeah, I'm gonna continue that. Let's see if I also play it in Mass Effect 2, because Mass Effect 2 is like top five favorite games of the generation from two generations ago now. So I agree. It, it's just it was just interesting the jump now because it's the jump is not as pleasing anymore. And I think that speaks more to how well of a job they did with ME1. And I can't wait to see how ME3 feels. If so it, you would it, say it's um it's less of realizing that Mass Effect 2 has been not as good as you imagined, but more the amazing work they did on Mass Effect 1 to bring mm-hmm. it up to. Par. Exactly, yeah. Because okay. ME2, yeah, because like kind of like I mentioned, Mass Effect 2 would always stand out more because how frankly bad the gameplay of the original was and how like buggy and busted most of the technical issues of that game were even till in modern times. But it was always it didn't matter because the story was so good. And ME2 was the, the cleanup to that. So it's not gonna be for anyone that plays them for the first time, it's not gonna be as obvious anymore. But I would still recommend it because the beginning of Mass Effect 2 is awesome. It's still so awesome how it, it's how shockingly it begins for it, people that don't know. I would say, yeah, that that beginning was very surprising. I mean, even in the, they featured it in the trailers, mm-hmm. um, hyping up that concept, but also like putting things out of order 
and hyping up the idea that like if you do everything wrong you can just lose everybody in the mission um that 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 is definitely the one that i go back to if i ever played the series i just skipped the first one i would only play the second and then sometimes i would continue on mm-hmm. for the third well two is universally known as the best one so yeah. for a good reason and it's fantastic for sure because the best the best things that mass effect does which is a story and character development are at its best on two mm-hmm. because ironically from the more i think about it from the three games two is the most plot thin of the three it is very singular in its focus yeah but it's because it's so plot thin because then it fills up that thin plot with such amazing character moments yeah i think it's it's more character driven detriment either i do want to clarify that for listeners um it's it's singular in this effect that like oceans 11 is very singular focused mm-hmm. but that's what makes it great because within that focus you get this very specific top cause to effect on all of the characters within mm-hmm. and then your focus on making sure that they survive as best as you can mm-hmm. um and i had the problem of <laughs> um my first playthrough i knew how i could like get everyone to live so everyone lived and then i couldn't bring myself to purposely not do that to see if someone would die so i never allowed myself to see that loss play out mm-hmm. i was just too afraid um of because you get to invest and yeah. also you get to invest in wanting all those characters to live because it's basically mass effect is basically a suicide mission that's like the main goal of that thing and building out the crew and getting to know the crew getting the crew to become loyal to you Mm -hmm. and that may sound like busy work but it's the opposite because in the end in building up the loyalty with your companions it's like you see some of the best side even calling it side content it's almost a disservice even though in other games that would be like the side story because the main story is about going into the suicide mission but i think that's what made it brilliant because bioware found out that they could make a simple plot and then just punch up everything else and that's why that game is so memorable and i can't wait to delve again once again into like the loyalty missions and Mm -hmm. building out the crew again and i will also say it's really nice to play mass effect 2 at 60 frames because even in a base console you can put it in performance mode even though there's like a little bit of screen tearing it feels so nice to play and that was also the thing with Mass Effect 1, that a game that was so notorious to run on 360 almost at 10 frames a second when you see all the particles and the power fly out. <laughs> so, yep. And then, so that's what I've been playing. And the thing that I challenge you to make a book club of, which yep. I, I'll, you say it first and I'll say what happened to me. <laughs> so we went back to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and... Um... For as a context thoughts. and just just yeah. for context we decided on that after the we watched the horizon forbidden west state of play and yeah. paul hasn't beaten it and i haven't played it since i platinum the back in 2017 so mm-hmm. go uh so yes we went back and played horizon zero dawn i um i don't even know where i am at this point in the game but i'm speaking to the man who suspiciously has the same voice actor as zavala mm-hmm. which um it <laughs> was destiny Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Um, so um I was playing through a few missions. Um the last one that I did was uh bumping into Hades while we Mm -hmm. were going after the tall neck that ended up being like stripped for parts or whatever. Mm 
Um, how far am I? You're very that? close to the end. Okay, cool. Like you're, you're, you're like very farther in the story. Got it. Because um, I knew I'd played a lot of it and I went through that one and it just felt, <laughs> I feel like everything went wrong that could have gone wrong in that mission <laughs> because it was so cinematic. It was so cool of a setup um, going through everything. And then I, something dumb would happen that would lead me to fall off of the cliffs and that happened about four or five times in the chase to get away and by the end i'm just like this stupid game won't let me do what i wanted to now let me interject with this uh-huh didn't that also become a problem that you haven't touched the game at all and going back to it makes you feel like you don't remember how to play it um normally i would but in this specific one it was like one of those scripted linear kind of um alleyways to run through and it was because i wasn't understanding where they wanted me to run and um i i would keep like getting caught by something like there was a blast that would hit me randomly and it would throw me off the edge um or i would run up to it and i'd see okay well like this is where they want me to run on the walls and i would do that and then i'd jump off and i would like go opposite the way i wanted to and that didn't work out but more so um i was enjoying myself uh the animations are still as great as possible um i was able to stealth through a whole segment which was great um the problem i think i was running into was the impact of the bow does not feel satisfying to me. I think that's what really was hitting me at the end because um, if you put it in this context of something else that feels satisfying is Destiny 2's bow mm -hmm. use is amazing. It feels great pulling it back and feeling the thud of and the head, it and the head explosion. Yeah, and then and the, you get a head the feedback. Um, whenever it hits them that's one thing i always appreciated about like your call of duties and everything else even if it's not realistic it'll give you a small thud feedback in your controller when your target gets hit and i always really liked that and like there was like a th kind of noise as uh she lets go of the arrow but it just it, it felt like i was doing pennies to these enemies so even there's a bow that in, in Horizon, there's usually a bow that doesn't feel like that, but then when you upgrade to the more hard-hitting bows and then you mix it with the slow-mo that you do with, like, R3 and with hit... With the slow-mo, it does better. But... And, and hit, and that's when you feel a little bit more of the boom mm -hmm. of that. But then there are some bows that, as much as you do it, is that they don't hit as hard, but that's on yeah. design. Because I'm they, wondering... Because I, they want I you to switch. didn't play this game right from the beginning because I have, like, the purple bows, I have purple everything... And I still feel like I'm just not doing it right, you know, because like the mods, excuse me, the mods only like give you like percentage increases on things. Mm -hmm. And it's not very clear for me to know what is like, okay, what am I actually trying to accomplish? What am I trying to get to that best? So uh, think about it this way. Go back to like a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm -hmm. Remember the SS thing? That you would put on enemies to assess yeah. oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah to to assess like the weaknesses and all that yeah you have the thing in your ear in horizon right. to assess yeah. the enemies and, then and it it's gives the exact you like the... same thing of of the specific weaknesses for a specific kind of weapon that you have to hit in a specific kind of enemy to be more strategic the game's an rpg that, and that's the yeah. thing like it's more of an rpg than you, it lets on 
it's that's yeah. what I think is messing me up because mm-hmm. it plays itself out and like it an tells you mm-hmm. that it's a certain kind of game, but in practice, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's messing me up because I've been treating it as the adventure action game that it's built itself as when in reality I needed to go at it from a very different perspective. It, it like when you when that other side clicks on you, it can still play as that kind of action game because Mm-hmm. like when it's scripted and you go through the different things it's almost like uncharted slash tomb raider with the bow but it has that extra layer of things that makes it a little deeper yeah but you have to kind of click with that for the other thing to also click it can't just be one or the other or unless you want it to be just this other thing put it on easy right that's the thing like blast it all the way to the easiest difficulty i actually did and, put it on easy after i came back to it the last time just to like get myself mm-hmm. through it no and, and i'll say that because uh now to kind of interject with that like, with my part because i restarted the game but with a new game plus that they added within the hardest difficulty mm-hmm. and i barely made it past the invasion of the machines after you do the like the trial compet- the, the trial competition yeah. because that game kicks your ass like in the hard difficulty because for one and for one that i had not been playing a lot so a lot of the nuance that you earn as the more you play on that game yeah trying to bring that back up when you haven't been playing a lot really 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 kicks you like like curb stomps you i do find that a lot of games with their new game plus they just assume that you're coming off of the back of a previous playthrough yeah they don't um because the the tutorial is not there like the tutorial and that new game plus like it didn't pop up i don't know if i turn it off by accident or not but it it doesn't tell like go to grass press square to like just like around here and all and and all that so i haven't been able to make as much progress that i think i'll just not do the hard difficulty i don't care about the trophy because the game's brutal <laughs> that game especially when part of the strategy fighting the robots is because they have health so if you're facing some you can um target one you see that that one that one has lesser health maybe you can move to another one or just focus on that one when there's no health in the thing so you're like how much longer do i have to shoot this thing for it to go down so <laughs> yeah it's, and uh. i will say this I had forgotten about the answer when you started as like John Aloy. She looks like Chucky. Her face <laughs> looks like Chucky. Yeah. Someone look at find John Aloy in Google and look at her. It's uncanny. It's, it's so scary. It's like if you want to like look it up there, Paul. I'm, but gonna, it's like, I'm gonna do it. Hang on. Uh just put oh, John Aloy or I sincere line. Hang on, let me go back over here now and Oh, you uh, you disabled screen sharing. Oh, dang it. I didn't. <laughs> Let me see if that gives the I'm option. looking at it, and she's staring into my soul right now, and it's Yes, horrifying. I think it should allow you now. All right, let me try this. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so as you can see. Let's see. It's just terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. It's like, Look at this girl. I know. <laughs> I, man, I will say, you know, sometimes there was this weird uncanny valley thing. Um, I love Aloy and mm-hmm. the look she gives. Uh, contrary to some yeah. people. Yeah. But um, like I know recently we've been the having controversy, that discussion. The, the, about, the, the controversy about the. I've noticed that um, she does have eyeshadow. 
somebody was saying, oh, there's no makeup on her in the actual gameplay, but she does actually have some form of uh, makeup on. I thought that was kind of funny to share. But anyway. But how about like if the makeup there was just inherent with how they design her and now with the new one because they can have more detail. Oh, you could they like make, make, make her, her more natural. More. But Let me see. Hang on. Yeah, put uh, Aloy Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, because I th- no, that was from. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it Forbidden looks West. a little different. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, as you you point out something like, uh, okay, well, I guess they didn't want us to see that one. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they did kind of change the way she looks. Now that I'm looking at it, from mm-hmm. like a fresh, but it's fresh but fade. it's not that extreme of a change. It looks like someone aged up. Yeah, and sometimes when someone does have a rounder face, like this is from the original. No, that's from Forbidden West. Is it? Yeah. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's from Forbidden West. That's from the original trailer from the Sony event from last. uh, Okay. Around this time last year. That's from Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's from Zero Dawn. He looks younger. That's the thing. Like sometimes faces when they're younger, they're like Uh leaner, and then when you get older, like it just grows. Yeah, that's true. So, so moving, um, on, for, for, for moving on from that, yeah. so anyone that's interested in a really hard game, I would say Horizon is a pretty hard one that has way more um, has has way more depth that's required from the player. That's just not going to be an easy cakewalk. But I love the game back then, and I love it even more now because it's it's so you like I keep saying that. There's nothing more unique in the AAA space than a caveman style game with robot dinosaurs. Like that, you just that in concept is still so cool. And that remains so cool. And I was reminded of that, just even playing just the early sections and just remembering where it even goes when the biomes start changing. When like you, you go from like the more tropical, I wouldn't even say tropical, they're like the more like overgrown foresty. areas, yeah, the foresty. And going to the snowy areas, the desert, all of that. Like there's I do some... like the that change for sure. Um, I I think it's funny because I wore the same outfit for most of the game. Why didn't you change it? <laughs> um, you see, that's weird because I'm the guy that changes it every three seconds. The and there's, that, and there's better realize, suits later on. <laughs> um, well, so that's what I I feel again that I just didn't play this game right because I got the purple ones mm-hmm. and then I couldn't find any others no matter where I looked no merchant sold anything better and I'm like did I look in the wrong place um so yeah mm-hmm. I was like and there's getting... a special suit that you earn in a quest that gives you an overshield that looks a little bit like killzone I'm definitely not playing this game right because yeah. <laughs> um, I've got like the same desert outfit for like most of the game yeah um, i'll give you a little bit of leeway on that because remember back when you started playing you, you had just started playing this game back then when you didn't really vibe with it and you have kept up with it mm-hmm. it's very hard to revive if you didn't start correctly but if you were like start from the very beginning now and now understanding it a little bit more sometimes that tends to click more like when you're not playing something the correct way it's very hard to like course correct later on but yeah if you really get into it like really early like you can go f- go through it like pretty easy that happened to me with ff7 remake like at the point because remember it took me so long to play that game like 
I had to restart it a little bit to like really, really nail it because that's true. If you don't really, really buy with it. It's going to be like it's a complete cluster F of not understanding the systems, like not playing things right. Like a snowball effect. It, it, it just snowballs. Exactly. So um, I think the, the final nail in the coffin for me um, on the reason why, like, I will think if I restarted it from the beginning, I would enjoy it a lot more. I think the last thing that kills me is I do not like caveman aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I just do not vibe with it as long as I've been around. Like I love, for instance, the Samurai Jack series. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that made that made like a caveman animated oh, man, thing. No matter that. how great oh, it God. is, I refuse to watch it because I just do not like cavemen. I don't like it. I don't care for it. Far Cry Primal. Yeah, I, I I'm the same. Touch that game. I did touch that game, and I'm also someone that the caveman aesthetic by itself i don't like but i like sci-fi and horizon is sci-fi and there's robots there so that combination is what helped me push through with i like the concept of the sci-fi portions of it but the fact that it's still like the caveman part of like re-getting all that i just i don't know why i just don't vibe with it like bring me back to like maybe some medieval feudal times Mm -hmm. and then maybe throw in some sci-fi final fantasy-esque i'm sold Uh, but, but that's also the thing like Horizon starts like just the indigenous almost caveman like, but then when you go to Meridian and all of that, it's not that. It's more. But medieval. it's still the same uh, aesthetic, though. It, it looks like it has like the buildings and stuff, which I love. I love that part of it, and like my favorite part of the game is actually the terrorist plot, uh, where you're trying to figure out where the bombs are and stuff, and you're running back and forth across the city to stop them from blowing up. I was like, I'm sold. This is awesome. And then you finish that part and you go back into the forest and I'm just like, do we have to? I was like, I don't want to go back on the quest. This is dumb. But then you go Um, into the labs, you go into the towers. The labs were pretty cool. And like the giant crab monster robots are like the coolest enemies. They would like three shot me because I didn't have the right armor apparently. (laughs) But Have you fought with the scorpions like the ones that go be, be, be beneath sand and just like jump from I, the sand i think so but the first time you fight one of those things it's like amazing because yeah. you have to like drop down into a hole that looks kind of like an arena mm. and then it just shows up and well, then you have to fight it and then you see that enemy pop up normally man i don't <laughs> know if i ever did that i i know i love fighting the t-rexes those are immensely satisfying um but besides that i i hate all flying enemies because i can't use my traps on them yep <laughs> i can't hit anything in the air it's, yeah, the it's horrible one it would be like you can't trap them but you have to like bring them down right with sheer brute mm-hmm. force because there's some sort of explosive arrows that are, just, are about like exposing the weaknesses you have to yeah. like try to get them in the chest and that. I just like they'll they'll kind of like wiggle around and stuff, and I just couldn't hit them. Um, it's like trying to catch a Zubat in Pokemon Go. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what you think of when you reach the end, like the final the final confrontation of that thing. Yeah, and to see like how much because that thing, I th- I thought really ended strong back then, but again I have to like replay it again to try to remember what it was. But yeah, this is a book club that will continue for us. Yeah.
and it's taken up a a good chunk of our time today but i mean we had a good amount of thoughts about it i think Mm -hmm. and not to mention i mean even though things piled up today for news i feel like it's kind of the all related so Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it is so now that we you want to press x press x for some all right paul so yeah the big disadvantage of us recording early sometimes is that things could pile up but even though they have sort of not as much as you think considering that things are gonna explode literally in a week because literally because starting this thursday now it's like the celebration begins. But before we get to that, some interesting have pop up. To follow up to the last episode that we did, yes. couple news. Uh, we did mention last episode that Bloomberg reported that Nintendo was getting ready to, uh, to announce the upgrade of the Switch, which everyone's calling the Switch Pro because it kind of feels nice. Mm-hmm. And they, they had said that they were going to reveal the thing before they had their big event at 43. We're now in the week of E3, and they still haven't announced it. However, a French retailer that I don't remember the name of, the name of, already created a listing for it. So usually, historically, when they make a listing, is because they are about to like put a machine up either for pre-order or have it ready for pre-order. So the announcement could still be imminent. With that said, because this is 2021, and in 2021 we can never have anything nice. Hmm. Maybe the plans have been delayed. Who knows? Mm. Because um, the COVID of it all, the shortage, let's not forget that the, the other machines from the competitors, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, still completely shortage because uh, of the materials and all that. And who knows that if Nintendo will also need that. And maybe they're like, oh, shoot. Will we have I... the materials for ourselves? So who knows? I know, but, and it's it feels like there's nothing else that we can even say that we haven't already said on this one. Mm-hmm. It's like, at this point, I mean, Alejandro, what do you think would be the one feature you want for a Nintendo Switch Pro? What would be that one thing that convinces you to buy it? Um, that the games run better. How how much better? What are we talking about? Like g- stable, games? like more like more stable. Like imagine, like for example, The Witcher Three, mm-hmm. it's on Switch somehow. The Switcher, the Witcher Three. I forgot there. about that, honestly. But it's at 540p resolution. Okay, it barely yeah. runs at 30 frames. So upscaling so everything. Upscaling everything. It's like a blurry mess. So, if it could, um, at the very least, hit a base that at least surpasses even what the base PS4 and the Xbox One even were, maybe Pro level, like PS4 Pro level, where the performance is at least very stable. Mm-hmm. and that it can give 4k for the people that have 4k the thing with nintendo is that they don't make the most realistic game but they do the most artistically eye-pleasing game sometimes yeah like Zelda breath of the wild is like oh, yeah. it's not a technical marvel but it's an artistic marvel absolutely there, there's something the there's something very watercolory very like evocative about the art stuff that it has especially when the light composition hits right like quite right but with the sunshine and all of that mm-hmm. that thing will look great on a big tv without jagged edges because of the low resolution yeah. or the game running at 20 frames when there's too many particle effects mm-hmm. so that could be the thing at the same time 
when you're in handheld, those problems are not much of a problem. So yeah, you can't, yeah, it looks great on the screen, but it's just like, I mean, we've talked about it. My problems with like the 3DS, it's just whenever you're holding it that far away, sometimes it's just difficult to like you lose details. Um, you lose, I think the, I mean, it's very smooth, but um, I, I struggle to look down at something, especially if I'm traveling. But um, whenever it's on screen, I mean, you see the the screen tearing. I would the, say the playing edge. my Switch in the airplane where I was coming here uh, for the vaccine, pretty magical. Like, the I airplane have, is good because yeah. it's pretty stable for the most part. I'm the yeah. more thinking like car rides. Oh, no, no, no. I, I can't do I can't watch or play anything on a car ride because of too much movement. I get yeah. I get dizzy. I can barely like maybe watch a movie or a TV show episode. I fall asleep. I fall asleep. I don't want to. (laughs) It's even hard to read sometimes in a car because I'll get motion sickness if I'm looking at the the words too long. Mm -hmm. Um, It messes me up. What is wrong with getting old, guys? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting old. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting gypped out here. Yeah. To me personally, because the Switch is at best a secondary, even tertiary machine. Mm -hmm. That's just for like exclusives there. I agree. A pro wouldn't necessarily be super enticing for me, especially because I still can't get the machine that I really want. So that takes more priority for me than that one. And yes. especially and especially knowing that it's an upgrade. The pro was an upgrade, and I still remain with the base PS4, and that was fine for me. Unless things get utterly unplayable on a normal Switch, which I doubt they would. But... Unless they did something crazy, that would be a massive jump in technology for them to do that. But it's Nintendo, so I don't. They're not the company for that. (laughs) I would. I wouldn't even be surprised if they had marginal improvements and made the games required on the new system because of how ridiculous they've been. But we we talked about that I think last time. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say for me, like you said, just up resing performance mode of just like getting everything smoother um nothing will really make me want to buy it outside of if they show me like breath of the wild 2 they put some really powerful games on there that i don't have the ability to buy on the playstation 5 that i own at this point i just want games for it i want anything yeah i just want anything (laughs) i want actual nintendo made or like really a lot of love put into those things. The last um, thing I played on Switch was Hades, and that wasn't yeah. even a game from them. That and was now like that was perfect for it. PS4. And yeah, stuff, it was. So. It was like listed in the Korean thing, and once those things start getting listing, it's imminent. Yeah, that'd be a great game for PS4 players. Like Hades was the best game, yeah. game, game of 2020. And I think the uh, only reason I didn't continue to play it is because it was only on the Switch, and I was like, well, I could just play other things on mm-hmm. my playstation or my pc and yeah and you can just save it for when you're traveling you know exactly. like, and that's like the roguelike nature of hades was perfect for the switch mm-hmm. and so, you, you can go through a whole run in like 20 minutes and i can even just put my switch into rest mode if i ever need to pause mm-hmm. or and just else, keep, so. and just keep on going and it's so no satisfying reason. to play it's so so tight it's like it's just yeah. everything about that game feels so good so it yeah i so, feel bad that i still haven't actually beaten it yet and I mean, do you even have to beat it? It's in the road, right? It's, it's about the journey, not yeah. the destination, guys. All right. And you can keep running it because the runs are random. Oh, so, yep. The day we recorded the last episode, Ubisoft was having the live uh, deep 
gameplay live stream to show off Far Cry 6. The big thing about Far Cry 6 is that it's coming out on October 7, 2021, and that it looks like Far Cry. With yeah. some sections that you can play in third person, but it looks like Far Cry. Did you watch the thing? I did. I'm actually pulling up the trailer right now for everyone to be able to see it. I think, no, that's actually the cinematic trailer. Hang on. Yeah, so as, as, as you pull that up, um, my thing with Far Cry is that by Far Cry 5, the formula has become so obvious and so emblematic of the Ubisoft formula because Far Cry 3 is the one that perfected that formula that they started with Assassin's Creed. And then everything kind of fell under that formula, which to Caesar, what is to Caesar? As much as I love Horizon Zero Dawn, that game's a Far Cry game. Like, legit. Yeah, it's like, and it's... Oh, that's not what I wanted. There we go. All right, so... And, and you can see, like, in the in, in, Far, in, in Far Cry, see now the big thing is that you can see the character that you play. Mm-hmm. So you can play as a female, like, you can make male and female. You could do that in Far Cry 5, but in Far Cry 5, it was a boys-less protagonist, mm-hmm. and you can never see your protagonist. And, and, and it's a lot more cinematic the way mm-hmm. it is, because, I mean, like, as we've seen, it's always been from the first-person perspective. Everything happens to you as the player. Um, and now, honestly, I will say uh, Resident Evil has perfected that better than Far Cry did mm-hmm. on the first person storytelling. And now it's very heavily a specific character that mm-hmm. this is happening to again um, that has a reason to be there. I honestly, I mean, I'm kind of OK with it because one, I love cinematics um, and I love seeing a specific character going through stuff because I feel for that character rather than just putting myself into the position now. Yes. Um, I feel like it, it lends better to the type of story Far Cry can tell whenever the character has a personal reason. I mean, say what you will about Far Cry 4. I did love oh, No, Far Cry 4 is my favorite. LA. Yeah, Far, um, Far Cry 4 is my favorite. My favorite. Because he had like a specific reason to be there to be returning his mother's ashes and then he gets roped into this whole crazy thing and i like um, pagan man as the villain played by Tor- played by tory baker i did and i feel like i was a little too harsh on that game when it came out because i love far cry 3 so much um that i just i don't know why far cry 4 wasn't vibing with so me i and, so and, and 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 here's my thing like i vibed so much with far cry 4 because i never finished far cry 3 back in the day uh, okay but so that was like my far cry experience and you i probably- kind of like You'd probably have the same problem because uh, they did that thing with Shadow of Mordor where you play through most of the game and then a whole new continent opens up. And I know how much you... Uh, that wasn't Far Cry. Should... That was Far Cry 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. Um, so you probably didn't miss much by not finishing. I ended up playing Far Cry 3 when it came as a classic edition on PS4 when Far Cry 5 came out. And I actually platinumed it on PS4. I enjoyed it because after, especially in comparison to Far Cry 5, that felt overly big and bloated. Yeah. Uh, Far Cry 3 felt more leaner to, in comparison. But also, I think Far Cry 3 really falls apart when you kill uh, Voss. Like, mm-hmm. and because that happens halfway through, and then it turns into a paramilitary thing that you pursue in a different side of the. It was kind of, of weird that that was like if they had built up both kind of i wouldn't say equally but at least told you of the problem um of the paramilitary side and it wasn't just like oh cool we beat voss he was the only villain the whole time and then suddenly there's another villain 
So uh, by the way, I don't know if you're watching this. That yeah. weapon that you saw there, it's yep. uh, the Macarena machine. Yeah, the Macarena machine where you shoot this. It's like so. Here's what's weird about Far Cry. The stories are pretentious. The way they present the game, especially with like the big, super serious villain, like in Far Cry Five, that it was like the religious cult. Yeah, and all of that. But the gameplay is complete madness. Look at this. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, it's a strange mix of, all right, we're going to get really self-indulgent with our statements on politics and mm-hmm. the world. Which is a Ubisoft us. thing. Yeah, it's a and the Ubisoft. Then, we're political, but not really. And then you get like Just Cause gameplay mm-hmm. where like, you don't have the, the tongue-in-cheekness of the uh, the Just Cause series, but you get all of this ridiculousness and then I mean, they're I mean, like, look at a puppy with no legs like mankind I think is the problem we gotta yeah. <laughs> list let evil people rule and if you try to stop them only bad things are gonna happen to you and like it's it's so weird how yeah talking about itself it is story-wise like i've usually just checked out of those games because again like they are they're pretentious they think they 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 feel like they want to say something but they say nothing and they're yeah. toothless it's kind of like the watchdogs legion thing felt so toothless compared to some important things that happened the year it came out like it just yeah. has no like it it just wants the attention grabbing visual of doing something that could be inherently political but it's not so might as well stop being pretentious the one thing that i'm excited about the story for far cry 6 is the villain that's played by giancarlo Spasita. Which he just doesn't miss with his performances. No. So if nothing else, he is like who you bring to bring everything up a notch. And the boys, I think everybody's added, yeah. realized that because like the boys, you've got Mandalorian, Mandalorian. You've got Far, Far Cry. Um, man, I can't think. Breaking of Bad. I mean, yeah, Breaking. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Bad is like his. He showed up completed. in Better Call Saul now because, mm-hmm. of course, that's incorporating more of him in there. Um, I funny thing about Giancarlo Esposito I went back with my wife and we watched Once Upon a Time yeah, he's there and it was before he got his like really good gravitas roles and mm-hmm. he's like this dorky um he's the mirror on the wall basically and he's like this journalist in the real world and he's really like perky and silly so it's so funny I mean, he's even in Mace Runner uh Scorch Trials I forgot he was yeah, he, he was in the team B I think it was uh that <laughs> Yeah, so like imagine gonna go like, back and watch those. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so so Giancarlo Spasito just has that sense of sense of gravitas to everything that he does that you just kind of want to see what he does, like how he chooses near like he chews the scenery. He does so but with class. Yeah. It's like sometimes when you let someone chew the scenery, it's, it's like over the top thing, but he manages to never be super over the top. He has like a face to him that you yeah. feel like the oxygen like get absorbed out of the room like when you look at him and yeah. like even like his scenes in the boys when he's like dealing with homelander of yeah. all thing that he that that he even could stand against homelander in, yeah. in the, the boys like that, that that's just something there's just something about him that i feel like he's great casting and at the very least should make seeing his performance in far cry 6 um be interesting especially because what they do when they let villains go in their endless monologues yeah. at the very least you'll have that kind of personality so that is one thing that i'm realizing they're not going to be able 
to go the wacky route with the villain at all mm-hmm. because of who he is he is going to explicit be explicitly be a threatening pers- prep per- goodness gracious uh, presence there we go mm-hmm. in the game and um i'm very curious to see how they're going to do that are they going to overplay their hand where he loses his threateningness because of how often he is or is he only going to be a, sh- a presence when they need something to really go down i would say especially because of the scenario that they painted for this game is basically their riff on the on almost cuba like a dicta- like dictatorship yeah. and like latin america and all of that so that already is very serious things happen. I'm wondering, like, as somebody living in Latin America, how does that play in for you on the side of so does think, this fall into like parody? Thankfully, yeah, yeah. So thankfully, at least in my country where I'm at, we're not under dictatorship. Hopefully, we never have to fall under that, God willing. But if you go like down or south, like Venezuela, or even the things that are happening right now with the protests in Colombia. Yeah. And, and all and all of that like there's like latin america the, the latin america countries are so prone to like that kind of like distress in, in especially political distress uh, because they're so easily they can so easily fall under like communism or socialism um, um regimes mm-hmm. and 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 i feel i i'm personally one that don't get too offended if something like touches on something I know some people are there. Oh, this is too soon. Blah, 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 blah. But I just know Far Cry is not going to be the uh, the bastion of storytelling to properly do that. So I'm so already... You're, you're curbing your expectations. Yeah, exactly. My expectations okay. is that they have Giancarlo Esposito and at the very least, he's going to give a good performance. I'm not expecting them to say anything because frankly, if with Far Cry 5, they basically had the chance to take a rift at the white at white supremacy and gun ownership from like the rural areas of America and they barely said anything. So and and they released that game at the height of that in, in America. It's only gotten so, crazier and crazier since then. Exactly. So it's like if they didn't say anything there, even the division two, which you can have battles yeah. in Washington DC considering what happened in January 6th this year, they didn't say anything. So I'll give them the point of they predated that. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah, I know, well, I like, know. It wasn't as much of a, a statement on it, but as much as um somehow predating. I mean, Ubisoft has been surprisingly accurate with their predictions on some things. I mean, they had a Rainbow Six Quarantine. Mm, <laughs> and they Rainbow Six be- Quarantine. <laughs> they've got Division Two. I mean, just the Division One, the concept of a pandemic killing everyone and wiping out cities, uh-huh. shutting down. Um, the idea of Far Cry five um entirely uh so uh yeah they've uh oh watchdogs legion predating brexit mm-hmm. and everything else with the um deep state and uh surveillance oh situation. and of course watchdogs legion comes back the year anonymous make themselves known again so. oh yeah that too that's always fun <laughs> they couldn't have had quite a better timing and that's what makes their whole we're not political so ludicrous but yeah, Far Cry, Far, Far Cry 6 coming out in October 7. It at least has a really cool actor playing the main villain. So that should be interesting. I expect it just to be an R Far Cry. So, and it's you know, the best thing about all of this mm-hmm. 
it is going to uh, immediately go on sale in like a month, a month. after yeah. it releases. Because, uh, so because Ubisoft games are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the best part is that Ubisoft games, no matter what, they're really great purchases for Black Friday. So yeah. you know what to expect in the month after that game comes out. That was from last week. The, the follow-up for last week's things. Uh, this week, Paul. So <laughs> I'm... Um, it only took us an hour to get yeah, to this week. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But that's the thing. From one thing, many things came out. So yeah, I've always been afraid that people may look at us and be like, they're PlayStation fanboys, especially for a show called the Xbox and that has the three controllers there. The thing is that sometimes the news tend to skew that way and Xbox is not saying anything. But PlayStation did because just kind of as a preamble. Don't worry, guys. We're going to clown on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So it's very interesting that Herman Holtz that I mentioned to you before that he talked yep. with Wired back in when they did the other Wired um, article where they mentioned about the 25 exclusives and all of that. Uh, he made a very PR corporate friendly Q&A on the PlayStation blog this past week. It seems to me, and I'm putting this, that this is them basically saying, we're not going to have anything at E3, so we're just going to say everything right now here. Just, uh, just so you know. So. Don't expect Let's anything. See, yeah. Like, don't expect a presentation from them at all this coming week or anything. Because... Kind of a gutsy move on that. Um, but they're just like, oh, okay, guys, don't. I mean, I appreciate them giving us expectations. Um, but at the same time, it's like, really, guys, you're not going to have anything? Mm-hmm. Like, y'all didn't have anything lined up? At the same time, remember that the PlayStation logo was in the Summer Game Fest from Jeff Keighley. Like, in the, it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's for this Thursday. So maybe they'll throw him a ball and throw a trailer for something. My yeah, thing maybe. is because my thing is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is this Friday. That's when yeah. it comes out. That thing's on Thursday. I can see them as far as throwing them the launch trailer for like, hey, here's there. Don't forget, this game comes out tomorrow. So I, I doubt I they're going to thought that the launch trailer already happened for that. But maybe yeah. who knows? Sometimes that. they do that. They they like even when they're in close proximity, they'll re-promote something. I mean, they did that with Death Stranding also. So yeah, that, like the- that's always weird. Whenever they kind of like re-release trailers for stuff that already happened mm-hmm. um, and doesn't really apply at all to whatever's going on. I don't remember what it yes. was, but oh, Bloodstain. They mm-hmm. they said that was coming to Stadia, and they just re-released the trailer mm-hmm. um, for the same game, but then said, "Hey, oh, it's on the Stadia." Ooh. Um, Man, we talk about. Oh, I'm about to say a hot take. Uh, the the circle jerk that people that love Bloodstained is. Um, I will say it was a great game. Yeah. I also feel like it doesn't deserve Damn all it. the the, the uh, huge praise that it gets it <laughs> because it still has problems, guys. Y'all need to talk about those problems if we're ever going to get more Castlevania. <laughs> So I'm yeah, going to step so, off the soapbox now. Yeah, yeah. It's so, already going to get his canceled. So yeah, so after this Q&A, that basically just signaled to me that we're not going to see anything from Sony maybe even until July because, again, they have become too big for their bridges and they don't want to share the limelight of E3 for some unexplicable reason. Mm-hmm. So they him talked about many things. He talked about uh, how, like, for them, the PlayStation Studios logo that they unveiled last year from this, I just see this, like, PlayStation Studios logo um they they usually back in the day they used to delineate who their studios were they were calling the first party worldwide studios and then they would do games with second parties that were still exclusive to playstation think like returnal yeah that's not a studio that they own 
at all. So they partnered with, but they made an exclusive for them, but they put the PlayStation logos there. So they were mentioned how they're delineating how they look at exclusives, which to me kind of just sullies the importance of them being a studio that's owned by them, especially compared to a studio like Microsoft that now are making it a point to be the Microsoft game studios. Look at all our 23 studios now. So some weirdness, but they're the big hits from this Q&A. The big one. What was the game, Paul, that last year in the before they when they revealed the prize, they said this game is coming in 2021 with literally no name and just a slogan and no gameplay. War. Let's go to war. Yes. <laughs> so in the least surprising news of all, Herman Holst officially confirmed the sequel to God of War 2018 who we are all calling God of War Ragnarok just because of the line Ragnarok is coming, even though they have never titled the game. It's not coming out this year. It's out of 2021. Moved into 2022. The reasoning is that they're juggling right now Horizon and, and, God, and, uh, and, and God of War, and God of War started development a little later than Horizon. So they didn't supposedly want to put one on top of the other, so they shifted God of War away. Yeah. And I'm I like, mean, that would have been obvious. <laughs> like it, it makes sense. And I'm not like really mad about it. I'm either. a little disappointed because of how much I love God of War. Yeah. Um, I it just it makes sense. It doesn't surprise anyone really. Um, it shouldn't surprise anyone when no. you put a year in a game with like no concrete, like not even fall 2021. It was just 2021. No name, not even gameplay. You would be a fool to expect that game to come out this year yeah. in the year of the pandemic, like in the year where we're seeing the after effects of the pandemic and everything getting delayed. So, so of course, of course, it's like that's not a surprise in the slightest for me. It's a that that was not going to come out this year. Um, and I don't even know it's going to come out early next year because we still don't know till this day when Horizon Forbidden West is going to come out. He once again reiterated that the development of that game is on track to potentially hit this holiday season, but they're not hundred percent committed to release date and they don't want to like stretch their teams and overwork them just to try to make an arbitrary release date. So there is a possibility horizon forbidden West is not a 2021 game. It could be a 2022 game, which interesting enough. uh, Did you know that the first horizon was supposed originally supposed to be the big fall 2016 game i do yeah. remember that and it got and, delayed and got, but because i didn't February. care about it I, I didn't even buy it on release i think I did, um yeah. if i'm remembering right it, it went from a holiday 2016 game from when it originally was announced mm-hmm. and then it became a february 2017 release so and not surprising because ironically the previous two guerrilla games killzone 2 and killzone 3 yeah. That were not kills on Shadowfall because that launched with the system. They right. also came out in February. So I wouldn't be surprised if things don't really shape up together that um, Horizon could be a February 2022 game, which that would put it five years later for a thing. And I, I wouldn't mind. I, I like early games, but they're not committing to it. So there is yeah. a chance that if that gets pushed, don't expect this new God of War that doesn't even have its freaking name to even be on early 2022. It might even be mid to potentially even the fall for 2022 so 
Mm. So much for that. But here's the more important one in that Q&A that he kind of just slipped there. That was actually really big news. Holst also confirmed that God of that, that, that this God of War sequel and the upcoming Gran Turismo 7 were going to come to PlayStation 4. Yep. And uh, which means, Alejandro, that we are not going to be getting the full power nope. of the PS5 in play uh, for Sony's next wave of big exclusives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which, think, um, so think about it this way, Paul. Yeah. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart this Friday is the last game that they announced back when they revealed the PS5's machine and all of that, that we know takes full advantage of the PS5. These games are like late 2021, 2022 games that are still going to be on a machine that came out, no joke, nine years ago. Because that's the thing. With these things coming to PS4, they mean they're coming to the base model that came out in 2013, not the Pro. The Pro will be there. They're going to have to figure something out about that one. Yeah, and what game um, last December released on last-gen consoles that was completely worked? It was... um... So, so it's a game that rhymed with uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'll say this. Spider-Man Miles Morales was on PS4 and PS5. You played the PS5 version. I played the PS4 version. The PS4 version was great. Yeah. But um, I and... think that is where both games are made in tandem with that tech involved, um, where the PS5 version was held back by the requirements to adhere to that ps4 hardware um where if you really want to push the ps5 at this point you really have to start giving ground on the ps4 side mm-hmm. stability wise um because if you look at something like man i'm blanking out on any examples right now but if you play something on the ps4 and then you jump over to the ps5 it's like night and day obviously um but then sometimes you can't play the game stably on ps4 anymore if you want to really get the best out of it yeah so i'll say this um because um what really because there's many things that bother me about this so from a but i'll i'll see it from the positive side first from a business sense this makes perfect sense you have 110 plus million ps4s out there of course you're gonna make more money by putting it on both. Mm-hmm. What this does, though, is such a contradiction to many things. So for one... Yeah, why is it, this is actually not as big of news except for what you're about to say, which is the, um, the strange behind-the-scenes part of it. Because in the end, I feel like any game that's made for the PS4 that is also on the PS5 is going to gain so much power out of it. Yeah. From the performance of the resolution, everything. So, Alejandro, what are we? Uh, so, what are we actually mad about? So, so, back when the Series X was giving more details, and Matt Booty, the yes, Matt Booty, that's his name, the head of the Xbox uh, first party studios that manages a portfolio and all that. What did he say when they unveiled Smart Delivery, Paul? Well, what, what was the big thing that Anna's? I, I'm, it I'm was the was it the fact that you can um you're going to get everything automatically on the next level for free without because, because for the first two years and change, the exclusives that they were gonna release were gonna be on Xbox One and on the series consoles. Right. Everyone, what did everyone did? They clown on them 
because yeah. they're like you're intentionally have a better machine and you're like shackling it to an old machine by doing that and what did sony say when they were asked directly they said we were uh we believe in generations and everything that is going to be made during the ps5's life cycle is going to be made for the ps5 with no pulling back we are going to focus entirely on the consumer for the next wave jim of the ryan the we're president for it. of sie he literally said when you go to the trouble of making a new machine it's to give new experiences that can only be had in this machine and then you couple that with the um mark cerny presentation from gdc the opening salvo remember that 52 boring af presentation where they talked about the ssd and all that what's the big thing about the ps5 other than the big flops the more memory what was the big thing that they were pushing all of the exclusives that were no, no, going no, no, to no. Be for it <laughs> no 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 they made a point of saying that the ssd they custom built for the ps5 is so revolutionary that they um that when people take advantage of just building for that ssd it completely changes the way they design things oh so, yeah so like how you see how so many games including god War, that we just were watching the gameplay for how many games had to like circumvent their design to like load things so that's why they funnel you into the tunnels because that's how they load things from the in the background without us knowing and making yep. that part of the design the SSD was going to be able to do away with that so that things could be designed differently. Mm -hmm. So, of course, so yeah, okay, makes sense. So PS5 exclusive, we're going to take advantage of that because the PS4 hard drive, not even close to being as fast as the SSD that's on PS5. So that already should have changed a different philosophy in design. But because the games are now going to be on PS4, then that means the big thing that they were pushing, the SSD, it's just a fast loader. It's just about the quick loading times. It's not about how it was going to change design. So the PS5 is basically what you do when you play a game on PC, you play something in media specs, and then you play on Ultra. Yeah. And to me, it's like, yes, it's better. But it's like, what were you even talking about then? You're stunting the growth. Of yes, you're stunt. You're you're, you're stunting the ground, the growth of your machine. And to be fair, because I know a lot of people are the, the big talking point is that man, the PS5 is so absolutely hard to get to. Is that because everyone's scalping it? They're barely producing it. At this point in time, they have sold more PS5s than they did PS4s in Which 2014. Blows my mind. If they had been that. able to keep up with the demand. Imagine how many more they would have sold exactly. over what the PS4 did. Yeah. So. So there's no uh, excuse, like, you can't make that excuse because if that would have been the excuse when Killzone Shadowfall, Infamous Second Son, the big exclusives that came at the beginning of the PS4 came out, they were just on PS4. They didn't game the PS3 version. They were still just in the machine. I'm going to interject because I'm, I'm going to point out that everyone forgot about this. When the PS4 launched, you could not find them for an entire year after the release. I found it six months later. Exactly. <laughs> you were able to find it. I was able to get it on release because I called it 
once again that um back in 2013 you could not find them they would get maybe one or two at the GameStop that I had worked at yes. and they would immediately sell out the day they showed up within like an hour. Yes, but to, interject, to counter in your deck with that, that didn't mean that Sony was putting the games that were coming on PS4 to PS3. They still kept them on PS4. Yes, no, now, I mean, yeah. we are talking about kind of a different thing. I just wanted mm -hmm. to interject with that context yes. of the reason we're getting more PS5s is despite the fact that there is a nation, uh, not nationwide, international shortage. Mm -hmm. I feel like Sony still has been able to put out more PS5s overall and given people an online method of it. And as bad as it's been. Yeah, some of they're still, still saying a lot. Yeah, it could have sold even more. didn't really notice mm -hmm. in 2013 when the PS4 came out. So it would make sense that at this stage, they've been able to put out technically more PS5s than they did PS4s. At because the, time. the reality is that they're yeah. carrying the momentum of the PS4 into this one. So yes. it makes sense that they have sold more in the same time frame. Imagine how much more they could have even sold. So there is no, ex like, like the excuse that there's barely any PS5 there, so they're not going to make their money back if they just leave those games on PS5. That doesn't pass the smell test for me because they're selling more. Things have changed. And the thing is that the things that have changed is that business has changed. Yeah. And what really gets me, it's the lying. Because I kind of, because I've seen enough behind the scenes videos and have an idea how development works that this PS4 versions for God of War and Gran Turismo, they didn't just suddenly come out. They're not something that you can go into the file. Okay, here's the game. File, save us, PS5, turn to PS4, boom, here it is. No. Those, those versions take time. They take QA. They take development and all that. So that was always the plan. So why lie? I know. Why, why I, lie? And, and all because, I can think is they didn't plan it out when he stated something like that. I mean, we've seen it now with cyberpunk is that different teams have different mm -hmm. levels of knowledge on certain things. And I'm convinced that every time somebody says something at this point and it comes back that that wasn't the case mm -hmm. is that they're probably operating on incorrect information and not to like give people a pass for stuff like this. But I do <laughs> think there's a certain level of, this guy was very optimistic on how it works. And this then after the that fact, they were like, hey, you know what? Well, the president delegates. That's what I'm thinking. It's like he put this thing out here and they were like, hey, buddy, that doesn't actually work that way. And he's like, well, crap, I guess I'll have to say something else later on. I mean, he later when Spider-Man Miles Morales was put on PS4 in September, they were, he, they were using the talking to point that. We want to keep supporting the PS4 for the next two to three years. We have 110 million there. So I'm like, by you said you believe in generations. Yeah. Um, what? So it's, to me, it's like, again, it's like, I understand what they're doing for the business decision, but in a way, I appreciate that, micro, that the one that actually turns out better in all of this is actually Microsoft. Yeah. Because they were honest. If there's one thing I have to give them. It's true. Other they than said the it fact, from the beginning, because from that's the very realistic. beginning, yeah, exactly from the very beginning, they understood the business and all that. They took a lot of crap because Sony had to be contrarian at the time and be like, "No, we believe in generations. That's why we're making a new machine." Uh, Microsoft hasn't changed his messaging. The thing, the only thing Microsoft has screwed up is the games. They're still not here, and ironically, they didn't even put this in the news. But like their own exclusive that they have released, the medium that came out in January, and everyone forgot about. Oh, has, has, 
has already been rated for the PS5. So the only one exclusive. Really? Is gonna, yeah, it's going to show up on oh PS5. Oh my gosh, so, that's so funny. Yeah, so, and it makes sense. The medium wasn't in the first party game. It was a game that they made a deal for it to show up there first. So, yeah. but makes in, me if wonder I'm, if Returnal would ever make its way over to Microsoft. No, because and the difference with Returnal, it's like that's a second party game that they slapped the PlayStation Studios thing on. So that means that Sony has that thing for their own. Got it. Okay. Um, that that, that that's kind of like different. So, so that's that's what's funny about Microsoft. Like they really are a company that have done everything right, but get the games out. Mm-hmm. That's literally the one thing that they just for the life of them can't seem to get right. But Sony just looks, I, I think they just look foolish by contradicting themselves that way. And what makes this ironic is that, you know, why I was so, so, so super excited to really want to get a PS5 because part of my mind was it because God of War is coming. They had not said anything about it coming to PS4, even though I suspected a little bit after Horizon was going to be also in PS4. And obviously you saw the, the flow chart that I show you that what's going to be improved in PS5 versus you playing the game on PS4. Remember, I, I put it in our text chat. And, and that to me was like, okay, this at least softens the blow of me not getting a PS5 because a game, I, the game I really wanted it for, it's also going to be on PS4. Granted, if the opportunity to play it on to get a PS5 finally arrives and I get one, I'm going to play it on PS5 because of course I would. It's just sad knowing that, okay, it's, at the back of your mind, it's like like we saw Horizon running a week and a half ago on the, on the state of play. You mm-hmm. cannot deny that game is not pretty. And that game was running on PS5, and you see how like it's taking advantage of the hardware. Yeah, It's just when you have the knowledge of how they pitched this new generation for the PlayStation with the SSD and how that was going to change the way they were going to pursue some design elements with the SSD. And, and that to me, it's just, uh, that to me is kind of disappointing because it's like they're undermining the one big key selling point of why they push for that custom build SSD in the first place. And yeah. I feel bad for the people that were sold a bill, a bill of goods and were, and bought a PS5 with the promise that they were going to buy PS5 specific, specifically built games to which as of this moment, there are only three demon souls. Yeah, Eternal, and now Ratchet and Clank. Granted, maybe they could um, announce something else, but as of right now, the three biggest exclusives, the biggest, because Horizon was huge. They that was a God of War is even bigger. Gran Turismo don't even tell me about it. That this it has a huge audience. Now they're also on PS4. So it's like, hmm. if you don't have the chance to buy a PS5. Don't worry, it's you're gonna have a version. I mean, the only. I mean, I'm now the question that I'm wondering is how far they're going to slide that scale over to the PS5 because the further they go on the PS5, the more trash it's going to be on PS4. That's also going to reflect poorly on them Mm -hmm. by making it available on both. So exactly, at a certain point, you have a new machine, you have to cut loose. Like this is the first time that Sony, first party, has has straddled the lines with its games. Because before then, like there was always a clear delineation of when they were cutting support, at least from them. You have your third parties, your Maddens, your FIFAs, your Call of Duties that would straddle the line for a little bit before cutting loose going forward. Mm-hmm. Like this last generation, you know that it was until Call of Duty Infinite Warfare 
that we didn't have a Call of Duty that was on PS3 and 360. Yeah. And even sports games take a while before they face oh. out all, all, all hardware. I think it was like only within five years, I think, that uh, it wasn't put out on the 360 or even like there was one that was made for the PS2, I thought. Um, the, the, even PS2, there, there were still like PS2 games that kept being released in sports games for yeah. a while because those games are easy to make. You can make a lot of money by putting it. They're like low low investment, high reward games and all and that. I guess it makes sense because like the storage capacity isn't required. All you have to do for each individual version is upscale the resolution because the mechanics can stay the same. Mm -hmm. uh, the animations are probably not nearly as much storage space on that. So you can keep it going for the older models. Um, so yeah, I mean, for if I was them, I would keep it on that oldest level of tech as long as physically possible because mm -hmm. it doesn't really do much for me. Yes, but now with like their big marquee games, they're finally like doing those that cross generation thing, and and again like the PS4 is about to push its ninth year in ninth year in twenty twenty three is going to be ten years. Our exclusives that they're about to announce also going to be coming to PS4. That would suck. I was okay with some games that they're using in twenty twenty one because okay, it's one year. I'll give them that. But pushing now into twenty twenty two, that's like oh no, that's. I just feel, just imagine, do you know how harsh the fan is on base PS4s or even in PS4s in general? Imagine trying to run these games in 2022. Um, honestly, I think it is ridiculous and <laughs> it's it's horrible. Yeah, um, You're gonna, like, like the PS4s are going to explode. I know they're going to um, create fires. <laughs> even mine like finally died on me uh, just like. I would say a year ago, maybe mm -hmm. um, like somewhere in the summer of last year, my, Oh no, no, maybe like two years ago, my base PS4 died and I had to get a pro and I just, I used that as the opportunity to kind of upgrade. Um, I'm legit shocked. I'm still rocking my launch unit. I don't know how you're doing it, frankly, but especially I'm with the just... stuff you put it through. Yes. <laughs> the games that you play is far more than I've played, and I, I just don't know how you do it. I, Whenever, I Yeah, I got lucky. That because... El Salvador PS4 is built different. No, I bought mine in Oklahoma. I bought <laughs> Oklahoma I actually... PS4s are yeah, built I... different. <laughs> and to be fair, I was in Oklahoma, and I bought it through Amazon. So wherever they had it in storage, and they brought it to me. So Right. I mean, El, well, El Salvador is pretty humid, you'd say, right? Yeah. Okay. It's also pretty say, dusty. Like, yeah, I'm just because I'm just thinking, like, I wonder if it's like the environment as well that puts a certain amount. Of I never. Uh, I'll say this: I never put my machine in an enclosed space. It's always been in the open. Obviously, not in the floor, but always like up there. Right. Not in my... mine was always on the entertainment center as well. Okay, right? that probably may have happened that because when it's enclosed it can gather more heat and if there's too much dust it can kill it well it's so, on it was on top of it so like it was kind of open and untouched by anything but i'm just wondering like maybe the presence of pets um any other random things like the cat wants to go around the ps4 and it <laughs> sucks I had all no, of the loose yeah. hair off the cat <laughs> into the ps4 you yeah know? No, to be fair i never had cats yeah so maybe that maybe that helped I but could. yeah, I'm still rocking it. The thing that I've been playing here is my PS4 is still up and running. It's mm -hmm. crazy, but someday that thing's gonna have one leg bigger than the other. But yeah, 
So overall, I would say this, that from a business sense, makes sense what they would put this out, especially with the perception of the PS5 not being readily available and not probably being readily really available until like 2022, like we read like a couple of weeks ago from a Taiwan thing. Um, but then just had, Sony has to be called out. They're a bunch of liars. So moving on they, because they do have to get their yeah. crap together. But yes, let's uh let's wrap this. Quick, yes. Alejandro, what are we talking so, about? Next? Also Holst in, in that same QA, they reconfirmed their commitment to PC. So for everyone expecting them to just remain on PS5, their horizon and days gone experiments were not experiments. That's gonna be the norm for them going forward. Which I think is a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. because I also appreciate the way they're also doing it because unlike the Microsoft approach of releasing everything day and date on PC to the point where it's like, why do you even have an Xbox? They said, if you really, 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 really want to play this game when it comes out, you have to get the machine. And then if you're a PC player and want to get those games, just wait, they will be there in two or three years. That's, um, I, I feel they're weaponizing FOMO that way, but it makes sense for them because for Microsoft, because they're such a software company, it doesn't, it behooves them for anyone to play the games wherever they want, because they're in the software, they get that. Sony is a hardware company. So it behooves people to actually buy the machine. So, but then at the same time, not cut off game sales by not putting them on PC. I think this is the best of both worlds scenario. If you really want to play a game, you can buy it at launch when it comes into console and then wait a few years later, if you want to play it on PC and they can double dip there. I feel it's a good way to not undermine their console business because they really need, at least for Sony, they, they have to get those hardware numbers in. They have nothing else to, uh... but then at the same time, they understand that it's foolish to cut off access to one game and not putting it in on PC and get, just get more money and more money means making more games. And finally, and one thing, the one final final thing that Hulls mentioned was the importance of Team Asobi, which this is a studio team that was within Sony Japan studio. They're the ones that made Astrobot, the VR, the, the VR game from, from PSVR that came out in 2018, and also Astro's Playroom, the incredibly beloved launch packing game that comes with every PS5. That would be the first thing that I play when... A surprisingly fun game. Everyone has seen it, the praises of Astro's Playroom, which we're looking at right now. And they, this is very interesting that they emphasize this because this happened before uh, we restarted the show in May. There were rumors that Sony was winding down Studio Japan. Studio Japan has been Sony's oldest first party studio. They, um, they have made many classic games like Legend of Dragoon. That's where, uh, Shadow of the Colossus came in when they had Team Eco within Studio Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where even uh, Gravity Rush came out, even Knack. Uh, Which all of, I mean, I never ended up playing Knack, honestly. I actually do. The first game sucks. The, first, the second one was good. Okay. Um, but yeah, but Astro, wow, it was like such a hugely beloved IP from for the PSVR that everyone was like, this does for 3D platformers what Mario 64 did, like the things that he was doing with BR. And Astro's Playroom, from what I understand, is a great showcase for the dual sense. Mm-hmm. So, considering it's such a beloved, quirky, family friendly game in the studio that recently has div- 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 divin headlong 
into more adult fare, like Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, like yeah. bloody things. They, they, they emphasize that they're really investing on Team Asobi now. And Studio Japan is basically going to be Team Asobi. So like all the other, what Japan used to be, it's done. But Team Asobi remains there and they're going to invest harder on it. So if you love Astro or the idea of Astro or something this family friendly, that's going to be the studio for it. Which I'm glad that, like, I think there was a point we were kind of worried that they weren't going to continue um, the quirky with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it looks like they, they realized the value of it, which mm-hmm. I would say is an absolute win for them because Xbox has nothing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, they so tried with Super group- Lucky Stale and that game was horrible. So, yeah. um, and yeah, really. And, um, so Nintendo only is the closest thing to this. And I would dare say that this has more of that true Mario feel than some people would say. Odyssey people, ma- yeah, that. people made the argument because Mario Odyssey has been one of those games that it's one of the best reviews game, reviewed games ever made by critics and all about a bunch of tens and all that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like people really like it. Like when you really yeah. ask about it, they don't put it in the upper echelon of Mario's. Right. I wouldn't put it in the upper echelon, even though I really liked Mario Odyssey, but I would rather play Sunshine or even Galaxy before mm-hmm. it. And people kept saying that Astro's Playroom in this three, five hour short time as a pack and has more creativity and more charm than even Odyssey had. So if they're gonna double down on that, I'm more excited because I have kept mentioning we, we have kept mentioning how I feel like Sony, once a bastion of creativity, had become one note with the kind of games that they were releasing. This is how you keep the variety. And and finally, one thing they confirmed basically the death of Days Gone in a very cheeky way of like Band Studios working on a new IP where they're gonna develop the uh, they're gonna uh, use all the systems they developed for Days Gone. They're gonna put it in a new IP, and then also come out came out with like the kind of like Sony Santa Monica released the big written statement when they announced the delay. I think you answered to them mm-hmm. uh, because I saw I saw your tweet. Yeah. Uh, so the band did something similar. So when they when Sony put this Q and A, they also put that in to kind of confirm. So RIP Days Gone. But hey, at the very least, we're going to. Yeah. see the systems of days gone be put in a ip and i hope at least we know something else is coming out of it because yeah. i think for a while we were worried that it was like oh shoot they're shutting them down because days gone didn't do well no they were they, they basically made them uh, a support studio according to that to that bloomberg report where they were going to become yeah. support studio to work on the new uncharted or maybe support for factions or something like that something they didn't want to do so i'm glad that at least they wonder autonomy back it unfortunately came at the cost of the two directors of the studio <laughs> so yeah really. yeah so kind of necessary but yeah that was just the q a that herman holtz had in other news yeah really we've been talking about e3 the last three shows i feel like because every day we feel like someone announces their date or something now we have the schedule with the full schedule from saturday june 12 to tuesday June 15th. So on as for I guess each day in general. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. This this is like what we have here is what's E what E3 has put out there. So for the, what the things that covered their event, this doesn't include Summer Game Fest. That's its own thing on June 10th. And Game Fest will probably go through the whole summer again. Who knows? But but at the very least, the I opening hope it summer, doesn't, yeah. but 
Yeah, I um, hope that there's it's more segmented. Kind of like he's starting with a Jeff Keeley's gonna start with a big event where he's gonna reveal a bunch of stuff at once. So I hope that he knows how to properly segment stuff instead of the hot the, the game of hot potato or or a Russian roulette that was last summer, not knowing when th- something was gonna be announced or not. But summer game is his own thing. This is E3 on Saturday, June 12. E3 2021 was going to kick off with press conferences from Ubisoft and Gearbox. So that's interesting. But but here, interesting, but not surprising because Gearbox is not just the Borderlands studio. They also publish stuff. Like they were the publisher of the awful Godfall that came out at the launch of PS5. They were the publishers. They didn't make the game. So, and I just say awful. I haven't played it, but everyone clowns on that game really hard. So Ubisoft is going to have their thing. So we'll see what they announce. Uh, And also they're going to have a session with GameSpeed. So GameSpeed, throughout most of last year, I don't know if you remember, I would always post in our group chat about Jeff Grubb, this journalist that would like know how to leak some certain stuff. Like he knew when Nintendo Directs were happening. I don't know if you remember last year because we were at the starvation point of the Nintendo Direct and he said it was going to happen one day. And it ended up not happening and everyone wanted his head. And then the Nintendo Direct happened literally the next day. So he's going to have a session at the end of that day. That will be interesting because he's quite the leaker. Sunday, June 13th, starting at, um, and I forgot, on Saturday, it starts at 10 p.m. at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So that'll be your 12. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. And uh, then, then on, su- on Sunday, June 13th, that starts at 8.45 a.m. Pacific time, 11.45 a.m. Eastern time, you're 10.45. Microsoft, the big one for me. Microsoft Bethesda Game Showcase. So that, How likely do you think they are to just kind of show a bunch of Bethesda stuff that might be in the it's future? Ni- it's 90 minutes. So usually when they make 90-minute conferences, they should have something. That's true. <laughs> And then, that, and then that same um, or like a concert just thrown in the middle for the fun. Exactly. Of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Microsoft is not the concert dudes. The ones that would do a concert would be Square Enix, which will also have a showcase that same day following Microsoft. And they will um, there's going to be a PC gaming show and also a future game show. I don't know what the heck a future game show is. Hmm. I'll still yeah, check I don't it know out. About them yeah. I know about the PC gaming one. Though. Yeah. Warner Bros. Yes. Back for Blood and 24 Entertainment. Who does 24 Entertainment? Or what do they do? I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but at least Back for Blood is going to have a little something because they just exactly. had a trailer drop. Of, let me like. In super, ago, so I interestingly, think. I think Back for Blood. Oh, yeah, never mind. Back for Blood used to be a June game and that got pushed to September, October. Right. So there's going to be more. So if you like Left for Dead, they're going to show more. So apparently that's the big Warner Bros. thing yeah. E3 is going to have. Monday, June 14th, bunch of weirdness. So apparently there's going to be press conference from press conferences from several indie developers. Hmm. Um, so give me a sec. we got a few from Capcom yes. at least. So that's going to be the biggest. It looks like, oh, yes, um, uh, there's mythical games, Freedom games racer. So they might have many presentations throughout there. And then there's a diversity, equity and inclusion panel. From I feel take- like you're just making up these words at this. Yeah, point. no, that's what that's. <laughs> I I took this all from the from their um, 
from their website. So they're grasping for straws to make an event, but it really sounds like it. My yeah. goodness. And also Verizon and then television are going to be featured along with Ascension with Ben. I have no idea what Ben is, but Verizon will be there. <laughs> kind of weird for them to jump and, into this whole gaming thing. And then doing a tech show. Yeah. Then Tuesday, June 15th, Nintendo Direct. That's a real Nintendo Direct. Full treehouse. In a full treehouse. So, why will they show up? Because usually it's something that they show up at E3. They do the deep dive on the treehouse. Have mercy. I really hope they do something cool. Oh my God. Think about this. We haven't had a Nintendo Direct E3 style since 2019. And then even before that, the September 4th, 2019, last real Direct. Mm-hmm. And then we had the one that was disappointing from February earlier this year. So, yeah. They should have the goods. So, are you going to watch all of this, Paul? I will I, not. <laughs> I might because I might be knocked out from my, I, from my vaccine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to try watching as much of this as I can. Um, I should be able to watch a good amount of it for like Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to peek in for like mm-hmm. the Square Enix and the Microsoft, at least, maybe Ubisoft. Um, Monday's going to be tricky for me, but I will definitely be tuning in for the Nintendo Direct as mm-hmm. much as I can. Um, and then we can see if we can do any reactions or whatever. Uh, as yeah, we- reactions will be... If, if we would do reactions, it would either be for Microsoft or... Nintendo. Nintendo, yeah. And for our next episode from right now, I would say it would go live after we watch the Nintendo Direct. We're going to record to okay. talk about E3. Or unless you want to do it in an individual Microsoft one and then an individual Nintendo one. That'd be kind uh, of cool. yeah. So wait, then we then we would have to record um, individual pieces. Yes, individual pieces like on Sunday when after it shows up, which is for ninety minutes early, and then right after the Nintendo Direct. By the time the Nintendo Direct um, airs, I'll be back home again That's with my true. other computer. So that that'd be fun. Hmm. So so yeah. So then next week's episode might not be in the regular scheduled time, but we might have extra two ones in on regular times. So. And to wrap up, because we're in E3, um, in the in the E3 uh, topic here, 2K games suffered a leak. You probably didn't notice that basically signaled a few of the things that they may announce this week. There were a couple of things, but two of them stuck out to me. Apparently, they're doing a Borderlands spinoff based around Tiny Tina. What kind of game it will be? Will it be a first-person shooter or something else? Who knows? That one... It would make sense only because they did nothing with Tiny Teen and Borderlands 3. Mm-hmm. And I'm still a little disappointed with that because of how much I loved Borderlands 2. Borderlands 3 just felt like it was lacking a lot of the mm-hmm. heart yeah. that the last two did. Yeah, so we'll see what kind of game that Tiny Teen and Borderlands spinoff is. Will it be kind of like the pre-sequel? Who knows? More interestingly, though, they're also doing a Marvel game. In the vein of XCOM. Now that got my attention. Yeah. Because um, it makes me wonder how far involved it would be. Would it be Marvel characters doing XCOM things or would it be in the universe where you yeah. have like a strike team? Will it be a top-down Marvel Ultimate Alliance stuff thing, but the gameplay is XCOM where you're like strategizing right. as you go? Who knows? I think that'd be cool. It's a it different would. kind of Marvel game. It's not if a game they... to the service or it's like Spider-Man. Right. Or like Avengers. 
if they could really lean on the abilities of each character and really let you do spe special things like spider-man can actually move on like wall spaces mm -hmm. and uh, iron man can fly or something like that um, and that's the beauty really of xcom cool. that would just be like from what i've seen of xcom is like how unique your troops can be with their walls and all of that and with the you, right stuff you can do some crazy things yeah yeah so considering we just read the e3 schedule 2k games is not in the schedule however their parent company take two interactive is in the inclusion panel that we mentioned It'd be weird that in an inclusion panel, Dan has a Marvel game and the Tiny Tina spinoff. Yeah, my bet is that if they're announcing anything, unless this leak came too early and they're not ready and everyone just pulled a surprise, is if we see anything, we might see it at Microsoft's conference or we will see it at Jeff Keighley's thing because he's going to make a bunch of announcements. Yeah, if so, we saw it, I would feel like it would be in one of those places under like, oh, coming to Xbox, but it's actually like not exclusive, you know, mm -hmm. um, which they do that all the time. So that that would make perfect sense that it would pad out the 90 minutes Microsoft has set aside to mm -hmm. reveal something new that Take-Two is going to have. And the thing is, if they have a 90 minute presentation, that's not just going to be Microsoft games. They will have right. third party They're stuff. They're going to have so. a bunch of stuff, which that's the main reason why I would be excited about the Microsoft thing outside of probably seeing more Halo Infinite. That's usually why I tend to look at Microsoft stuff because they get so much third party stuff that inherently yeah. also comes to PlayStation. And since I'm main on playstation that's beneficial to me so that's what makes me excited for your conference so we'll see if these two games are there but paul that's it that's Those it. was all the news yeah that this might this be our longest episode yet <laughs> maybe maybe not maybe it will be just as long as the first one we did when we returned Ooh, that but, was a lot of that was a lot of information that we had to get but hey but... we will have more information overload this sunday yeah and so we we're mentioning about maybe recording on sunday something um would you be willing to do one for the game fest from jeff keely's i i would like to and we can kind of play it by ear as mm -hmm. far as the exact details but let's see how we can make that happen yeah and... so for everyone listening right now let's put it like this so there will be at least a guaranteed episode after the nintendo direct that will go live after we record after watching the nintendo direct mm -hmm. whenever that is it'll the... probably be separate from our regular program right yeah I, or it could be so so that's the thing like we can either do a regular program that talks literally about everything or we do three separate ones or two separate ones yeah you'll see whenever we get the feed you get it in your feed we'll we'll play it by ear like i would like to do three separate ones one for this thursday after we re after we record after seeing jeff Keeley's thing yeah i would like to do one for sunday after we see microsoft's conference and do one for Nintendo after we watch Nintendo's thing. If that doesn't pan out because we we don't know what our schedules will be, and also I'll be traveling halfway through that time or near the end of that time, then our next episode could then be a Wednesday show, and we just mix all of that together. We'll we'll see. Yeah. So either three short ones or really meaty, big Wednesday show for next week, and then we go back to our regularly scheduled Tuesday. But yeah. we'll play it out. So for everyone that has been listening to us, we just want to thank you so much for continuing to listening to us. We love, I'm seeing this, the, the, the podcast stat numbers and they're solid for our startups. So I'm pretty, feeling pretty confident about where things are going other awesome. than the YouTube views. And don't forget to like and subscribe here in our YouTube channel, here in Escape Media. 
And you can always follow our podcast at, at our anchor.fm slash escape media link that you'll see there. And you can listen to every podcast service that you can think on. And also if you have a specific one that's not there, you can use the RSS feed, link it to your podcast service of your choice, and you'll get the episodes, no problem, every Tuesday at random times in the afternoon, sometimes early in the afternoon, late in the afternoon, but it's still on a Tuesday. And Paul, where can people find you? You can find me at Twitter at Dork of Art, all one word. Um, also on YouTube, also at Dork of Art or Twitch at AngelSword21. And where can they find you, Alejandro? They can find me in the Twitter at A underscore Durosegovia. And they can read my stuff at thecriticalcorner.com, which not a Loki's coming out soon. I may write something about that again. That's and very um, I wouldn't mind trying to review some games as far as I, when they finally start coming out again. And uh, you can also find me in twitch.tv slash the Slayer Giant, which I'm looking to restarting once I get back home. So to start streaming some stuff because I kind of want to stream. And yep, that's where they can find it. Paul, it was a pleasure. Hopefully I'll see you this Thursday. But if not, I'll see you next week. We'll, We'll play it by ear. And until next time, press X to play. See you all guys later.